Welcome to Data Bytes. I'm Susan Wong. And I'm Jesse Chizeski Kay. Susan and I are two statisticians, and we want to bring statistics closer to you. We will touch on topics in big data, data science, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and the list may grow. In this episode, we talk about some new research that looks at the possibility of using your voice to predict what you look like. Let's get started. There are so many different applications for AI and deep learning these days that nothing really surprises me anymore. Until maybe this. Early June, a team at MIT came out with a paper that looks at how it might be possible to learn what you look like based on a short audio recording of your voice. The input is an audio clip, and the output is a picture rendition of your face. I mean, this is weird, right? This feels to me a little extreme. They say don't judge a book by its cover, and here we're definitely saying the sound of your voice reveals how you look. Yeah, I actually wouldn't have even thought there was any real connection between one's voice and and one's face. (laughs) Yeah, and and of course, the authors do state very clearly what they mean and what what are the limitations, Um, you know, like things like there's no way that your voice will reveal your hair color, for example, because you might even just dye your hair, right? (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) But the authors here, um, and we'll link this paper, this this method is dubbed speech-to-face, where it's speech to the number two face. Um, And and this method, you know, you can question what it's ultimately going to be good for. And the authors themselves talk about potential privacy concerns. And they raise the possibility that the technology like this, even if refined further to work better, that it could result in unjust discrimination. So I'm trying to picture what kind of prediction problem this is. It, It doesn't seem quite like a typical classification problem. That's absolutely right. If we were talking about a typical image classification problem, then we'd have to have a single category or label for every predicted face. You know, kind of like image classification problems that um, look at, say, um, just objects in the wild. You might say this is a picture of a flower, this is a picture of a bird. This thing that the MIT researchers built is not just an image classification system for faces. That would be what we would call a facial recognition system, and this just isn't it. It doesn't have a total universe of all human faces in its training set, um, and, and so its predictions are just literally computer-generated faces. So what are some of the details for the method that they use for speech-to-face? Yeah, before we get there, let's talk a little bit about the training data. Um, that's a set of data used to build the model and tune its parameters. Um, the data set that they use is called AV Speech. Um, and this came out of a project at Google Research, and it could warrant a little segment on its own on our podcast because it began as a curated video data set um, deriving from YouTube consisting of millions of videos that was used to demo a completely different machine learning task. So there, they, what they were trying to do, these Google researchers, was to take a video where you have one or more speakers talking, sometimes over each other, and then th- the job is to sort of detect who's talking and when, and then enhance their voices by removing background noise as well as any overlap in, in voices. So what resulted from that study was a set of these automatically extracted Um, clips. They're very short. They are three to 10 seconds in length. Um, And and they come from sort of the pool of public instructional videos on YouTube. 
And what happens is with the with the algorithm, um, they sort of extract just a single face um, for the video so that ultimately these three to 10 second clips contain a single visible face and then the audible sound really belong to a single person who's talking. So that's what's ultimately uh, put together in this AV speech data set and that serves as the training data set for the speech to face uh, method. And come to think of it, this data set might even contain clips of us and our colleagues. <laughs> uh, okay, so that, that makes sense that it would consist of instructional videos. Um, these videos, I guess, would contain voice and picture of the instructor's faces. Yeah, especially by design of the AV speech um, data set. And in contrast, right, if we had cooking videos, which I love to watch on YouTube, they're probably not going to be helpful because while you have voices in those videos, you might have a lot of pictures of food too. And it wouldn't be helpful to have lasagna qualities in a predicted face. <laughs> yes, or, or I, I hope not. <laughs> So, um, okay, so they have the training data. Now what? So the next stage is going to require a little bit of processing. Uh, even though they have videos where every frame is a single person talking, that person's face might be facing slightly off to the side, right? Not everybody's going to be looking dead at the camera. So first, the face needs to be standardized somehow. For this, the researchers use a pre-trained facial recognition model that's called VGG face. And the purpose of using this isn't to do facial recognition, but it's really just to extract some features. So they took all these input face um, images and, and they basically peel away one of the last layers, sort of the penultimate layer in the neural network. And, and that layer sort of gives us these face features. The face features can be used to reconstruct pictures of a face that always looks forward at the camera and has a neutral facial expression. So that provides an element of standardization. Are these face features sort of like, you know, thick brows or high cheekbones and so on? Not quite. So these face features are literally just low dimension numerical vectors that represent features of the face. These um, vectors are lower in dimension relative to the original images whose dimension equates to the number of pixels in the image. Multiple elements in the face features might contribute to things like thick brows and high cheekbones, but there isn't a direct interpretation of any single face feature at this stage. So now what about the, the voice part of this? So the voice portion of the videos are encoded as spectrograms. These are visualizations of sound where you can see time on the horizontal axis and pitch or frequency on the vertical axis. So the spectrograms are fed into a different neural network. It's called a voice encoder. Um, and its goal is to predict the facial features from the spectrogram. So with machine learning approaches, the key to tuning our parameters in, the, um, in training the model is figuring out a way to score the model. So, so how is accuracy measured here for the purposes of scoring? So the accuracy is measured by comparing the face features computed from the video frames um, to the face features predicted by the voice encoder. So higher accuracy would be reflected in a smaller difference in those face features. Uh, okay, so this seems a bit abstract. Um, we can't directly interpret those face features, as you say, but researchers are using them to assess accuracy. Right. And I think what they're thinking is this is better than doing a pixel by pixel comparison because 
you know, there's going to be there's going to be things that we don't care so much about in in pixel by pixel comparisons, right? It is probably mm-hmm. more about salient features that um, that are that are important for measuring how well the prediction uh, fares. So. To, the face features are used then just for assessing accuracy for training the model. But when it comes to summarizing to a human audience, um, the researchers did actually go one step further. They did kind of get away from the abstractness of the face features. So first of all, they used a face decoder neural network whose purpose is to translate those face features into actual images of faces. And as I mentioned, these faces, when translated, they do look straight at the camera and they have neutral facial expressions. So it is then much easier for us to compare faces by looking at the pictures. Okay, that's, uh, that's helpful. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And then the paper itself actually shows a number of these example faces as well. So you can actually see what the input was, what the um, sort of encoded face looked like and what the predicted face looked like. So just for visual comparisons, this is probably the easiest way of going about it. Now, indeed, just rather than comparing pixel by pixel, as we said, maybe that's not so helpful um, beyond just visual inspection. The researchers also applied some other software to do more meaningful comparisons. So one of the softwares they use is called Face++. Um, This can be applied to images to predict the gender, race, and age of the faces. And then these are um, elements that are compared between the predictions and the actual faces. So how did the predictions look along these attributes? So first of all, I should clarify that the comparisons are made between the inferred gender, race, and age from the voice-derived face images and uh, that of the reconstructed face images that came out of the video. So so it's definitely not like a true comparison where if someone had gone through the videos and written down their gender, uh, their race, or, or if they had somehow documented the age of the speakers, that information was not available. So everything was sort of inferred using Face++. Now, based on that, uh, gender did turn out to be the easiest to match, which is maybe not too surprising. There was something like a 94% accuracy rate. Age wasn't so bad either. Um, and, and now race was a little bit perplexing because somehow race was encoded in uh, four categories, white, black, Asian, and Indian. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's an odd way of categorizing race. Um, it's interesting, though. I, I'm guessing that one way of linking one's speech to one's appearance would be by maybe parsing accents. Um, even though accents weren't, aren't explicitly utilized in the model as features, the voice encoder potentially picks up accents as, I don't know, maybe being useful for determining face features um, that then get used to classify the race of the speaker. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I think that's exactly the sort of thing that helps with the accuracy of the face prediction engine here. And beyond these basic attributes, um, going back to your earlier comment about thicker brows and so on, the researchers also use a different software library called DEST, that's spelled D-E-S-T, all caps, um, to extract interpretable features like upper lip height and nose height and so on. And so these are also compared between um, the derived features of the actual video footage and the predicted images. Uh, Yeah, uh, these sound more like what we would call facial features. (laughs) So one last thought I have is that um, 
We've often talked about how machine learning methods can be biased by what's represented in the training data. So for example, if the training data consisted of mostly white males talking, then maybe the resulting method would have difficulty working on females or males of other ethnicities. Um, so is there some information on what the demographics look like in the original training data? Yeah, that's a really good point. So the training data in AV speech consisted of a predominantly young crowd, at least from what Face++ found. So the largest age category represented was 20-year-olds, followed by 30-year-olds, etc. And more than 50% of the speakers were white. About 63% of the speakers were male. Um, you know, a lot of different things you can see there that probably isn't representative of the population at large. The authors do know that these breakdowns are not representative of all speakers. I wonder what some potential use cases might be for a technology like this. I can imagine in some sci-fi dystopian film, there could be microphones installed at every street corner so that the government keeps track of, you know, the races of people who pass by. Then maybe mm -hmm. the government examines anomalies, spikes in activity by a disproportionate number of speakers congregating at a particular point. Or maybe they've already isolated some sound clip of someone talking about nefarious plans that they need to make a wanted poster of the speaker so that this technology can be used. Yeah, uh, but, but of course, in a world where that kind of surveillance is prevalent, professional spies would receive training on how to fake accents, etc. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that would be something I would want to do if I had access to the software. I'd want to see if I could fool it into thinking I'm look something completely different by making up an accent or something. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Databytes. If you have any questions or suggestions or comments for us, please email us at databytes.podcast at gmail.com. That's Databytes with a Y. And if you want to see the numerous articles that served as reference material for today's show, please visit our website at databytespodcast.com dot github dot io till next time